Welcome to Run With Horses. This is Norman. The quote of today is an interesting one. I really like this one. It's from Colonel Dandridge M. Malone from the U.S. Army. He wrote a book called Small Unit Leadership, A Common Sense Approach. And he said, the will of soldiers is three times more important than their weapons. That's a really cool idea, a really cool thought. And it's important for, uh, for me as a, a church leader for a leader in any capacity to recognize that the will of the people is much more important than uh, their ability or the tools that they have available. And I think we see this in the church. Uh, a lot of people don't have the, the interest, they don't have the will to be involved in any kind of ministry. So it doesn't matter how talented or not. It doesn't matter what their gifts are, what their abilities are, because they're not willing uh, to use them in any capacity. Other people maybe don't have the gifting, they don't have the talents and abilities, but they're willing to be involved. Their desire is to go forward and do the best that they can. And I think that is a good example of this quote, that the will of the Christian soldier, of the Christian worker, is more important than their abilities and gifts. I think that's true for all of us. That should be encouraging for all of us. I know that's encouraging to me because I often feel like I don't have a whole lot of talents or abilities. Uh, sometimes I think, as we're here in Japan, that the only real talent and ability that I have is that I'm stubborn and I'm, I don't quit easy. Um, but I don't know that I have a lot of gifts that just mean I'm going to be great at anything that I do here. But my desire is to go forward and do the best that I can. So... I hope this is an encouragement to you. I don't know where you are in your ministry, in your gifts, in your uh, life, but understand that your ability to go forward and be successful in God's eyes particularly is much more dependent upon your, your will, your desire to go forward, uh, whatever comes, than it is upon your, your gifting, your abilities, or the tools that you have at hand. Today on News and Culture, I want to talk briefly about something that I came across this week. I think for years, and maybe for decades, uh, different media and outlets and writers and teachers have been asking the question and talking about the question, are we in a cultural decline? And that's true, I think people are asking that about America, but also about the world in general. Many, many places we would say, yeah, we're in a cultural decline. What do we mean by that? And I think there are different people who mean different things depending on uh, where they're coming from. But here's how I want us to understand it for the context of this conversation. Cultural decline is defined as an erosion of morals and values. So we're talking specifically not about economics, about uh, politics per se, although many of these things will play out in those, but an erosion of morals what we see is right and wrong and okay, and values, what we place importance on. So, uh, and we think about this, and looking at history, I think a lot of the countries, nations, that have risen to power and done really well, whether it's the Roman Empire, or the United States today, or Europe in the past, that wealth plays a huge part 
in this culture, cultural decline. Uh, as a country has wealth, as its people have wealth, they turn from, I need to focus on making a living today, on providing food and shelter for my family, to um, extra time that we can put toward um, money that goes towards something else, which would be entertainment primarily. Uh, I know I saw a a quote a few years ago, somebody had done some research thinking about how much money we spend on housing, on food, and on all the needs, and said most people, and I know this is uh, not true across the board, but in America at that time, most people, about 25 to 30 percent of their income actually went toward needs. And I know we define that differently, but let's go ahead and say you don't need a big screen TV, you don't need access to internet for most people. Um, at home. You might need it at work. Um, there's a lot of things that we have accepted as needs that actually don't fit under this definition of actually what do you need to live? Well, you need shelter and you need food. And for years and years, a, a, only a fraction of our income has gone toward the actual needs that we have. You know, you don't need 30 different varieties of cereal. <laughs> we have gotten so spoiled uh, in the world today. And I know um, every country is not like this. Every family is not like this. Uh, definitely there have been times in my life where we have not been this way at all. For a while, uh, when Susan and I were on prefield, uh, when Chloe, our youngest, our oldest daughter, was born, uh, we actually lived on, I, I want to say it was like eight or $9,000 um, one year. And that was the, our living, our basic needs, housing and food, was well over half, maybe three quarters of our income. So we definitely didn't fit into this at that time. And I know many people go through either times in their life or you're in a place, uh, in a situation where it's ongoing. You just you don't ever fit into this. But for America at large, most people do fit into this. So wealth plays a part uh, in our cultural decline because we have more time to spend on uh, leisure, on entertainment. And when we do that, look at the Roman Empire as an example, how the entertainment was really uh, became uh, coarse and uh, morally decadent very quickly. And I think we see that in the United States. I know for me, I spend most of my time outside of the United States. So when I get back, and if you're somewhere where somebody flips on a TV... Um, it's amazing to me how much things have changed over the last 20 years since we've been in Japan. How much is acceptable on a daytime TV show, on a primetime TV show that wasn't acceptable 20 years ago. Now for me, I've made the choice in our family, we don't have a TV uh, here in Japan. Uh, Japanese TV has not gone to the point that American TV has gone to at this, at this time, as far as I'm aware. Um, but you, we see, because we're outside, this slow decline of, of morality, of what's acceptable and what's promoted, and of the values that our culture promotes. So um, you know, we see that in different ways. We see it in music, the things that are promoted in music, uh, the things that are promoted in movies, in books. And I think as our culture has more time, has more income that goes to entertainment, uh, I, I, just in general, you look at history, uh, cultures tend to, um, as they put money into entertainment, you, you 
hand in hand see a decline of the morals and values. So if you ask, is our culture in a culture decline? And we think, I, I don't know, I would say it's pretty obviously yes. Is it important? That's a different question. Obviously, on one side, it's definitely important. Um, I don't want my kids to see some of the things that are on TV and be exposed to that, particularly when they're really young. Um, so it's important for helping our kids to grow up with a God-centered focus. But as Christians, we know this world will eventually end. Uh, the decline that we see in the culture around us is consistent with what the Bible teaches about the heart of man and his inability to be good. I know for years in uh, sociology and psychology, there are a lot of people that believe that man is born basically good or neutral and that his surroundings are what cause him to be good or bad. Um, and that's just not true. Biblically, we look at it and understand the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? So man's not good. And the less Christian influence there is, um, the more man follows his heart. And man's heart is terrible. So we see this cultural decline in values and morals is consistent with the pulling away of the church as an influence in culture, of Christians as a, a guiding light for society. As you take that influence away, uh, man is left to follow his own devices, and his own devices come from his heart and just not good. So uh, in many respects, I think it's obvious if we ask the question, are we in a cultural decline? It's a yes, and whether it's uh, America, if you want to look at America as a nation or the world as a whole, um, the world has been in a cultural decline since uh, since Adam and Eve left the Garden of Eden. Um, once man rebelled against God, um, our relationships have declined. Our ability to choose uh, good has been influenced by the, the flesh. And yeah, uh, we no longer have the ability uh, to, we're not neutral, not anymore. Uh, so yeah, I think we're in a culture decline. I think it doesn't, con it doesn't end uh, until we stand before God um, at the end of our life and at the end of time. today, Chloe. Today is a song called Don't Hold On. Don't Hold On. So if you're hanging at the top of a cliff and you've got a rope in your hand <laughs> and uh, you should just not hold on, is that what we're talking about today? Um, no. It's about a lot of people tend to hold on to negative emotions and negative feelings, negative, just negativity in general. And this is a song encouraging you to not hold on to those. Great. That's a good thought. Let's hear it.
That's a really good thought. A lot of people do hold on to, uh, whether it's guilt from the past or anxiety or worry or fear about things that are unknown or all these thoughts that are not helping, whether it's other people's opinions or uh, just negative thoughts in general that uh, really make it hard for them. And that's just a good thought that we need to let go of all those things. And and really, the flip side of that is to believe what God has said about us. Exactly. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, the last section today is living theology, and I want to look at faith. Uh, faith is a big topic, and we're not going to cover all of it, obviously. But I have a few things, just thoughts on faith and how that relates to our life, that I'm hoping will be encouraging to you. So faith, what is faith? Well, from one standpoint, faith is surrendering control. Have you thought about that? I need to surrender control uh, for my safety. What am I relying upon? Am I relying upon my ability to keep myself safe? Well, no. Faith is surrendering control of my safety to God. Surrendering control of my future. Uh, also my present and my past uh, to God. Uh, my reputation, my gifts and abilities, my possessions. Indeed, all of my life I'm surrendering for now and in eternity to God. Uh, I think that's, that's faith. Um, I'm surrendering what makes me acceptable to God. I'm giving complete control of that to Jesus and saying, God, I I can't do it on my own. I absolutely surrender complete control of my life, of my standing before you, uh, to you. So James says, show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. So 
even though we think about faith as surrendering control, or I'm talking about it in this context today as surrendering control, faith is not um, dead. It's, it's living faith. Life means movement. Faith doesn't allow you to sit still. It pushes you to act. I, I have strong faith. I believe something with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. So what do I do? Well, I think saving faith, true faith, pushes me to be involved in God's great work of redemption. It pushes me to behave in a certain way. If I really have faith and understand that this world is uh, temporary, that eternity is eternal, uh, that what's really important ultimately is God. If I want to give God the desires of my heart, and I want the desire of my heart to be Him, a relationship with Him, I want to know Him uh, with every fiber of my being, uh, okay, faith is going to affect the way that I live. So faith is living, it's saving, and it should be growing. Uh, faith shouldn't be stagnant. You know, if you made a profession of faith 20 years ago, and you don't know anything more about the Bible today than you did then, uh, and you haven't changed uh, anything in your life since then, uh, other than trying maybe to avoid flagrant sin, um, you have to question, do you have genuine faith, the kind of faith that James is talking about? Because faith is not stagnant. It is alive. It grows. It changes. It becomes more complete. It matures. Uh, it, um, it weaves its way into more parts of our life, more areas of our life. We tend to live compartmentalized lives, and that's not what God intends for us. He intends to be at the center of every activity, uh, every meal, every day at work, every relationship. Uh, God wants to be and deserves to be, should be at the center of that. And as our faith grows, it sends roots into every part of our life. And that changes us. It changes our response to problems. It changes our response to people. Uh, it changes us from the inside out. Uh, God slowly changes our hearts uh, to be like His. And ultimately that work is completed uh, in eternity. The process of sanctification is not completed in this life, uh, but God does promise to complete it. And genuine faith, I believe, desires that change now. Desires the relationship with God to be um, unhindered, to be as it will be. It desires that now, even knowing we're not going to reach that today. I still want to have that kind of relationship with God. I want to live a life that pleases Him. I, I want to be growing. I want to be knowing Him more. So I read my Bible to know God. Not just to know rules, things I should do, but to know God. Faith is important. It is the um, platform through which we live. You, you believe something about everything. Uh, when, when you go to work, you go to work because you believe it, ma it makes a difference in your life. Uh, when you... Um, make choices in your life. Uh, you believe that they have meaning. Well, ultimately, faith is recognizing that the, the meaning in all of those things, out, apart from God, uh, is just short-term uh, and is minimal. The, the meaning for every activity really comes from how deeply that activity is entwined with my relationship with God. So as you go through life uh, and you want to live out a, a Christian life that is... Uh, like Paul talked about, that is content, that is joyful, uh, that is constantly giving thanks. Uh, I think our faith is the place that comes from, and that faith is built on knowing God, and it's built on uh, a faith that is growing 
where I'm actively seeking to build my faith, to use my spiritual muscles, to, to spiritually exercise so that my faith becomes uh, stronger and that day in and day out, uh, I know God more and because I know Him, I love Him.